This is the Mulligans Podcast, a real estate podcast focused on the duo. We created this podcast to share the stories of real estate individuals who have built their business from the ground up or have lost everything and are working to get it back. I'm Hayden Wright. I'm Austin Cole. And, and we, we are, are your hosts. hosts. On today's show, we have Connor Kearns, a 28-year-old real estate investor based here in Houston, Texas. Connor achieved financial freedom at the young age of 27 years old and has over a million dollars in investments. Uh, Connor's going to talk a little bit about his agnostic approach to investing and what that means to him, as well as habits and mentalities that have helped him achieve greatness at such a young age. So without further ado, let's get to today's show. Connor, welcome to the show. I appreciate you being on. Guys, thanks for having me. Great time listener, first time caller. (laughs) Perfect, perfect. So Connor, I kind of met you at a uh, real estate meetup a couple weeks back and uh, you introduced yourself and you know, you seem pretty young, but you knew what you're talking about and you, you've done, you know, a good bit of real estate. So if you don't mind, just share with the audience a little bit about yourself. Well, I'm glad I came across as young and knowing a good bit about real estate. Um, that's definitely the, uh, the vibe I try to give off. Um, yeah. So I, my name is Connor Kearns. I'm 28 years old. I live in Houston, Texas. And um, yeah, I'm a real estate investor and flipper as it pertains to this podcast. Um, outside of that, I'm a big, uh, big reader, really into working out. Um, yeah, but, uh, but real estate is uh, the huge part of my life. Okay. Now, how did you get into real estate? You know, it's, it's funny. Um, I was, I was thinking about that today. It's, um, it sort of came about in my early twenties. So I, I work in, uh, the medical field full-time and medical sales still do. And I got into medical sales, um, early twenties and it's, it's funny. I don't even know how I got hired. I was this <laughs> super young cocky, overconfident, loud kid who had zero experience and some medical company hired me and brought me on. And, um, I, uh, I did well, worked, worked really hard, moved up quickly. And at age 23, I was, uh, managing sales and operations for the state of Michigan for this big, (laughs) uh, big medical company. And I remember I had all these, uh, projections in my mind of, okay, at this age, I want to make this much. And I thought all these, these goals were, were further down the road. And at 23, I, I, I hit, hit this number that I thought would, would take me much longer. And it was very strange what happened because I felt nothing. I felt nothing. And I was working, you know, 60, 70 hours per week. And I, at that time I could buy anything that I wanted to buy, but I didn't have purpose. And I realized what I just said is a very high quality problem to have. <laughs> I don't expect anyone, <laughs> anyone to, to cry over that sob story right there, but it, um, you know, it, it was, a it was, it was, a, it was a weird feeling. I just didn't have purpose. I said, I'm working hard. I was living very frugally and I, um, I just, I, I didn't know why I didn't know, what I wanted to do. And through a strange chain of events, um, the book, rich dad, poor dad 
came into my life. And I, I feel like this only will constitute as a real estate podcast if I mention Rich Dad Poor Dad, <laughs> right? That's how this works. Yeah. Now, now Apple Podcasts will say, okay, this does in fact belong in the yeah. genre because someone said Rich Dad Poor Dad. But read Rich Dad Poor Dad over the course of one weekend and that changed everything for me. Changed how I structured my, my time and my life and how I viewed money. And after a quick Google search, I saw that Texas, my home state, was a much better place to invest than uh, Michigan, where I was living. So I uh, moved back to Texas and three, four months later, bought my first deal. Yeah. Wow. That's pretty quick. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, how did you educate yourself for that first deal? Or, I mean, was it several books? Was it more podcasts? Or, you know, how did you mentor? Because four months is pretty quick, right? A lot of people, you know, yeah. dilly dally, educate, over educate, you know, one might say, but. Um, yeah. How'd you get right into it? It's, um, I don't know. I guess I just didn't know what I didn't know. And it was probably a good thing because there was never any, uh, analysis by paralysis. I just, I, I reverse engineered it and said, you know, wealthy people have real estate. So if I have real estate, I can be wealthy. And, um, like, Hey, Robert Kiyosaki's doing it. I can, I can figure this out. So I, I just, wanted to start with one. I was like, let me, I, I don't really know what I'm doing, but let me get something on the scoreboard and, and then I, I can, I can figure it out from there. And, and I know Hayden at, at the meetup, we were talking about different approaches to real estate. And, yep. um, I, uh, I definitely have the mindset of in a lot of situations, you have to you know jump out of the airplane and build a parachute on the way down. And, um, man, those first couple of years, I was jumping out of a lot of airplanes, <laughs> parachute on the way down, um, especially for that first deal. Okay. Right. So, so ahead, what was your, what was your first deal? Uh, you mentioned it a couple of times, but yeah. So, I mean, it's, it's not sexy. It's a, <laughs> I'm, it's a primary residence, you know, mm-hmm. it's, um, but it got me in the game mm-hmm. and it's funny whenever I talk to a lot of kids that, that want to get into investing, a lot of them have just these super high aspirations of, Oh, I want this first deal to be, you know, big multifamily or this and this. And I don't know, I don't want to say set the bar lower, but mm-hmm. like I was saying, just get something on the scoreboard because, you know, it's, it gets tricky. Once you start buying more and more houses, it becomes not a big deal to buy houses. You just go, you understand the logistics and you go through the process and it just becomes analytical as opposed to emotional. But that first deal, I mean, it, there's, there's a lot of emotions tied to that. So I think there's mm-hmm. a ton of intrinsic value in just going through the process once at half speed, buying a primary residence and just getting something under your belt. And I mean, every, uh, every Grant Cardone fan listening to this right now is saying well, <laughs> primary residence isn't an investment. And I agree with that, but I bought that house with the intentions of I want to get in the game, buy a property. I'll get this house fixed up and then I'll rent it out and it will be an investment. Okay. So that's, that's what I did with that first one. And now what were some of the, the key takeaways from that, that property? Like I'm, I'm sure there's a quite a few mistakes, you know, you're green to real estate, you jump right in <laughs> after four months. So I mean, what are, yeah. I'm sure there are several, but what are some of the highlights of that property? Ooh, some of the highlights of the, <laughs> of the mistakes on that first one. Um, I don't know. I was, um, is it weird if I say I didn't make any mistakes? Um, <laughs> no, it, no, it, it honestly, it was, it was, it was pretty straightforward. I, I got lucky. It was, uh, um, 
it was like a four, two and a half, two story house in an established community that I knew would make a good rental. So it really, it was, it was very cookie cutter. And it's funny. It's one of those things where even whenever I rented it out, it, it wasn't a great deal. It cash flowed. Okay. But it, it wasn't really anything to write home about. But what happened was I had tenants in there for a few years. The property appreciated in value. I had that debt pay down plus the appreciation. I was able to refinance it. And then I think I 3X or 4X the cash flow after that. And now it's, you know, it's, it's a property that performs exceptionally well. Mm-hmm. So I was able to have that longer view approach to um, something like that. And whenever you take that long-term approach, it's, it's more difficult to lose, if that makes sense. Just there's, you can sort of absorb some of the, like a lot of the expenses if you're saying, okay, I'm going to own this thing for 20, 30 years. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Okay. So now looking back, you know, you got into it fairly quickly, as we just said, Uh, would you change anything or, I mean, this, this is obviously, we'll get to it here in a second, but Mm -hmm. you've, you've had a very successful real estate career at a very young age. So looking back, would you do anything differently or would you advise someone in a similar position to do the exact same thing? It's so despite everything that I've just said, I'm actually very <laughs> cautious with, with, with <laughs> <laughs> I know that sounds crazy, that's, but, um, but I am like, I, I never wanted to, and still don't want to over leverage or overextend myself. Um, so it's, 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 it's so case by case. I mean, looking back, I probably, I have some friends that their first property, they bought a quadplex, you know, a triplex or a quadplex. And that, you know, they, it's, uh, you know, bought an FHA, lived in it for a year and, and, and did the house hacking thing. And, um, that probably would have made more sense from an ROI standpoint, but that would have been a lot to bite off for like a young kid. And then boom, it's your first property. Boom. You have three tenants. Boom. You've got to deal with, with all the maintenance that, that goes into that. And you're probably renovating the building as well. Um, I think just, just everyone's different with, with their, with their risk tolerance. But, but for me, I wanted to ease into it, have a year to kind of learn the ebbs and flows of everything. And I remember that first year, I, I didn't know about the bigger pockets podcast until after I bought the house. Actually, a coworker of mine said, Oh, cool. You have a house. You're fixing it up. You must love bigger pockets. I said, bigger pockets. What's that? He said, Oh, I'm about to change your life. <laughs> and, um, and he sure did. And he, he reminds me of it every time, every time I talk to him, he says, remember how I introduced you to bigger pockets? <laughs> I sure did. Yeah. So, um, for anyone listening that doesn't know what bigger pockets is, go check out that podcast. It's, give uh, them a, give them a look. Sure. Yeah, I'll, I'll give them a, I'll give them a plug. They, they need some more exposure. <laughs> right. I don't think anybody's really heard of them <laughs> to get started. So with that, with that property, did you, you have an agent that uh, showed you that house or did you happen to drive by and see it and uh, just do the offer yourself or? Yeah, it was, yeah, I was working with an agent at, at the time. Um, it was, it was, a, it was a weird one. Um, I have a knack for like buying houses from older people. Like it's happened a lot um, where they're winding down. They want a quick sell. It might be an MLS listing, but, but they need to move fast. And I have my parameters and, um, and I'm able to swing it and make it work. And that one was just like that. It was a older couple that was winding down. They needed to get to reti- a, a retirement community. And um, I was able to, to 
come in and make an offer that made sense for both of us and got the house under market value, but it did need a lot of work. Um, it hadn't been updated since like 1986 or something. So, um, it needed everything, but made sense for me, made sense for them. And, and it all worked out. And that's what you're doing currently, uh, still looking for those, uh, similar families. Actually. So it's, um, I've had a pretty big, uh, pretty big pivot, um, this past year. So, um, I'm a big believer in the short term rental market, just having a tremendous runway for the next, at least the next couple of years. And so whenever it comes to optimizing, um, cash on cash return, um, I, I imagine I will only do short term rentals for, for the next couple of years. Um, so I'm looking to buy properties that fit the, uh, you know, an Airbnb business model, also a pad split business model. If you don't know what pad split is, P-A-D-S-P-L-I-T, um, look them up. They're available in um, certain markets. They're not paying me to say this, but um, <laughs> yeah, that's actually, and I met Hayden at, an, at a pad split event. Actually, that's where we connected. And um, it's sort of like a no frills Airbnb, um, if that makes sense, but it's a, it's a rent by the room business model. And if you take a property that, um, you know, single family home, um, and you, you, you put it into a, you know, the short-term rental, um, model, you know, you can, I don't know, it's, it's going to sound like a wild ROI, but five to 10 X, what you would get in regards to cash flow and a lot of scenarios and what you'd get from just renting it out to a family. It's, uh, it's a hot market right now. So I'm looking to capitalize on that. Okay. So yeah. now, you, you've done other things though, right? So it wasn't just single family and now you're jumping into this. So what were, what were some of the other things you've done in the meantime, in between when you started and what you're looking to do now, the, the pad split idea? Pad split. Um, so, I mean, I'm, I'm in single family, I'm in multifamily. Um, I sort of, I think we, we had talked a little bit about this at the event. Um, mm-hmm. I have like an, I refer to it as like a sort of agnostic approach to investing, Right. Where it's, it's sort of funny. Like I, I, I talk to a lot of people that have a lot of different investing strategies and so many people are so willing to die on the hill of what they believe in whenever it comes to investing. And we see it a lot in the crypto space, you know, where these crypto guys are like, I only do cryptos. I don't do traditional equities and then vice versa. And then we see it in real estate with single family versus multifamily. And my mindset is, now, we're working within the confines of a landscape that is constantly evolving. So doesn't it make sense to um, just lean into whatever wealth creation vehicle is most optimal at that time? So that's, that's, my, that's my approach. I just try to be open. I don't want to ever have blinders on. You know, I always joke like if, you know, if someone figured out a way to like swing trade beanie babies and they were getting a good <laughs> ROI, you know, I'd be all on board. I'd want to learn about it. You know, so whatever it is, I'm game. And I mean, I have a ex- you know, good amount of exposure to cryptocurrency right now. And um, if you're wondering, yes, I did very well this past week. Check the timestamp <laughs> on this uh, podcast when it's released. <laughs> and, you know, I invest in traditional equities as well. Um, and I just try to be open to it all. And I almost don't even view myself as a, as like a real estate investor. I, I like to think of myself as a professional connector of dots, mm. right? Like I, I don't make anything. I don't build anything. All I do every day is just talk. That's all I do. All I do is talk. 
So I just, I connect dots. That's, that's what I do. Whenever, whether it's in real estate or medical, you know, I'm a professional connector of dots. Okay. Yeah, I'm glad Business you brought cards up- coming soon. <laughs> <laughs> that's a cool title. Uh, yeah. I'm glad you brought up that agnostic um, mentality. Cause uh, you mentioned that to me before, and I, I was about to bring that up because I think it's really interesting because you hear a lot of people say, oh, just, you know, find what you're doing, focus on it for six months and don't look anywhere else. But you're kind of not saying the opposite, but you're, you're saying, you know, maybe open your mind a little bit. So I, I think that's, that's really interesting that, uh, you know, you've been able to bounce around from a single family to multifamily to crypto, and now you're looking at a pad split. So I think that's, that's really cool that you're able to, to pivot like that on a dime because, um, you know, a lot of people will just say, oh, you know, I'm, I'm not looking at that opportunity. I'm spending all my time um, on X, right? So I think that's really awesome. And I, I really like that mindset. Are, are there any other mindsets you have that have, you know, helped you be successful and financially free at such a young age? Um, there's something like, I don't know, like when thinking of like daily habits, um, there, there was actually something I was talking to, um, remember I, I talked to my therapist about this like a year ago. And, um, for those of you that, that don't talk to a therapist regularly, you know, I highly recommend it. The guy I see is really? incredible. And yeah, it's, um, it's one of those things. I feel like there's a lot of stigmas attached to it, especially being a guy. And right. for me, I was so opposed to it. I, I you know, I thought like, what am I going to do? Go in there and, you know, pretend to cry or something. Pretend <laughs> to have issues. Um, but it really has been life-changing. The, the guy that I see is, um, he's changed me on a cellular level. It's, it's so, it's just incredible to have someone who can be objective and offer insight into someone's life. And he's almost like a performance coach as well. But um, whenever I first started talking to him, I, I had the realization that he's someone who talks to a number of high net worth individuals, right? So I asked him one day, I said, what sort of commonalities do you find between those high net worth people? Like, are they reading the same books? They go to the same vacation spots? Like what, like what sort of connection do you see? And instantaneously, he says, they all write down their goals every day. Hmm. And um, I mean, it, it, it's so simple, but they're so intentional with it. So that's something that I make an effort to do every day. And I have broad goals. I have short-term goals. I know for me, my, my daily goals, I have, uh, I have three. It's enjoy the day, learn something new make money today. And in that order, because it used to be make money today was number one. And I found out whenever I focused on making money, the other two didn't happen. I didn't mm. learn something new and I didn't enjoy the day. So if I enjoy the day, I tend to learn something new. And when I learn something new, I tend to make money. So it's, it's by design that they are in that order. Interesting. So you wake up every morning and write those down. Mm-hmm. Really? Okay. So are there any other sort of habits you have that you know you feel that have contributed to this success? Yeah, it's, um, it's, uh, yeah, I mean, there's, there's a few things I feel like action is just such a huge, um, huge part of it. Like I'm a firm believer and we are all the architects of our own lives. Right. And if there's something that I'm not happy with in my life, like, you know, I'm the one who has to change it. You know, it doesn't matter about, you know, government policy or what's going on over here. It's like, I'm the one who's responsible for it. And I knew that with real estate specifically, like I can go to all the meetups, I can read all the books, but no one's going to sign those closing documents for me. No one's going to find those deals. Like I'm the one who has to, who has to see these things through because I care the most because I'm building my own business. 
And, um, I think that that's that right. There's probably the biggest disconnect, um, between people who do make money in real estate and people that just kind of, I don't know, sit on their hands and, 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 and don't see any results. Um, I even remember going to meetups like very early on and, you know, having, having that one house and thinking like, okay, I'm going to come back to this meetup in a month. And everyone's going to ask me what I did this past month. I better have something, you know, know, I can't, you know, I better say I have something under contract or working on something. Um, So just taking action every day, there's that old Chinese proverb, you know, it's, it's impossible for a man to work from dusk till dawn and not be successful. So as long as daily action is occurring, like good, good things will happen. Right. Right. And that's really, that's eye opening because I I heard the other day, somebody say that uh, it might've been on a podcast or it might've been at that event. Um, You know, you're not going to be wealthy just from solely reading books and educating yourself, right? There's, there's a lot of action you do have to take behind that. So, I mean, it just kind of made me sit back and think like, dang, I, you know, I read every morning. I listen to a podcast every, every day on the way to work, but what am I doing? What actionable steps am I taking towards, towards my goals? Right. So I'll definitely, you know, that's a great point. Um, now some other things that you mentioned, uh, you know, you work full time and you're also a full-time investor. So how are you balancing your time here? I mean, and and you have time to go to the therapist. I see on Instagram, you know, you're playing tennis, working out. So -hmm. you seem to have a very well-balanced life. I'm just trying to figure out how you're able to do all that. Cause that sounds like a good bit on your plate. Yeah, it's, um, yeah, that, that's a good question. Yeah. I mean, I, I wake up early, so I feel like right off the bat, I get more hours in the day than most people. So I, I do the, the, the 4:30 AM workout, the, wow. you know, like, so, so I, so I start early. Um, yeah, it's, it's a, it's a good question. I mean, COVID definitely changed a lot of things whenever it comes to, um, I'm not telling you guys anything you don't already know, but with, you know, working remotely and the ability to work from a cell phone or work from a laptop, you know, a couple of years ago, I was traveling, you know, three, four nights out of the week and, you know, $10,000 a month in expenses for travel and all that. And, you know, it's, you know, luckily my life doesn't look like that anymore. You know, I'm, I'm here, I can work from a laptop or from a, from my cell phone and, um, you know, I'm, I'm in sales. So if the numbers are good, then that's, that's what matters. And, um, I mean, it, it is a lot, I don't want to downplay it. You know, it's a, it's a full-time job. And also, you know, managing investments, managing flips. There's, there's a lot, there's a lot going on, but you know, it's, I feel like now is the time to do it. Um, you know, I, I have some, um, I'm 28 right now and I have some, some goals I want to hit by 35 and, you know, want to start having kids in my thirties and, and doing that and, you know, want to knock this all out right now. And then I'll, you know, I can kind of, I, I say, I'll, I'll kind of ease off the gas pedal a little bit, <laughs> but we'll, we'll, we'll see what actually happens. And that, that's sort of the, the paradox of the, the financially independent label, right? It's, it's sort of, you know, whenever you hear someone's financially independent, it, it garners images of them sitting on some beach in Mexico, sipping a fruity drink with an, you know, umbrella a straw or something, but it's, it's quite the opposite. You right. know, I, I know for yeah. me, whenever, whenever I hit the financial independent mark, I was so excited because that meant that I could work even more, but I could focus more on the stuff that I wanted to do. Mm-hmm. You know, so right. that's, that's what I was excited about it. Right now. So, I mean, what, I don't know how to ask this politely, but why are you still working? You know, do you just really love your job? I know you're, you, you reached financial independence yeah. a year ago or I mean, what's your thought on that? 
Um, I mean, I like the chess match of working within complex conversations. And, um, you know, I, I like working within the medical field. You know, I have, I have a great team that I work with and, um, and it's fun. I, I, I enjoy it. Okay. Yeah. So you genuinely enjoy your job. I do. Yeah. I'm yeah. Very lucky. That's awesome. Yeah. yeah. So it's kind of back what you, what, to what you said a second ago. Um, I heard today that, you know, anybody that could retire, you know, that is financially free doesn't do that, which is exactly what you just said. So yeah. I think, I think it's, you know, right on the money that, you know, you could retire, but you're still working. You're still pushing through to your, to your goals and everything now. And you mentioned you had some goals by 35. What, what are those goals? What are you trying to hit before you do have children, before you do, yeah. you know, take your foot off the gas? I know. And it, it's funny. It, I'll probably never take my foot off the gas. It'll just it'll look, <laughs> it'll just, things will start to look different. Um, even right now, as opposed to like being 23, 24, like just things just look different. Investing looks different. Buying properties look, it just, it looks different. The processes are different. Um, I mean, the, the big goal is just generational wealth for my future family, you know, um, just having, you know, my kids and their kids and their kids, uh, taken care of. And, um, you know, there's not an exact dollar amount on, I do, I do have some arbitrary numbers in my head that I'm kind of working from, but that's, that's the big goal. Um, just make sure the family and extended family are all, uh, all taken care of and I can be the, uh, the, the cool grandpa that pays for everything. <laughs> I gotcha. Now, how did you how did you come up with those goals? Is that something you know you looked forward in the future and, and what you wanted to be able to to do and work backwards, or you know what was sort of your your process behind creating those? Yeah, that's that's a that's a great point. I mean, um, I don't know. I guess it's it's I wanted to aim high. You know, I, I want to aim high, and I want things that you know. I haven't had before and um and who knows I, I could get to that point and, and not like it and I know that there's um just just the and the the irony to it all is you know like I'm I am the way I am because of my upbringing and I mm-hmm. you know obviously didn't have a silver spoon in my mouth I had to work to to, to get here so if you you know have kids and they have everything they need you know will they work as hard as you know as, as their parents Probably not. So it's sort of, uh, it's, uh, it, it's a tricky thing. I, I was actually just having this conversation with, with a friend of mine a couple of days ago where like, how do you raise a kid whenever um, everything's taken care of? Like, what does that look like? And uh, mm. I don't have an answer to that, but we should, <laughs> in, in five years, I say we should revisit this and, you know, we can, <laughs> we, we can, we can see if I have a, I have a better answer then. So looking <laughs> long-term, what, what are your goals like? 30 years down the road, like, where do you see yourself when you're in your fifties, sixties? Ooh, that is a, that's a great question. Is I in fifties, sixties. I mean, it's funny. I guess most people, whenever they get to that point, they just become the lender, right? They become the mm-hmm. bank. Right. So, you know, and then all I, all I want is, well, at that point will be like a 3% return on my money, you know, like a uh-huh. lot of, you know, something small like that. Um, I don't know. It's, it's, it's so hard to, um, it's, it's hard to put a finger on it. Things are moving, like moving so quickly. I mean, who would have thought five years ago that we'd be, you know, talking about cryptocurrency on a mm-hmm. real estate podcast or, it's, you know, talking about pad split or talking about how Air, Airbnb is, you know, it's taking over. It's just, 
things move so fast. So I just, I guess the big thing is I always want to be able to adapt. Mm -hmm. So I want to continue to be a divergent thinker and um, continue to do cool things. And my, my biggest barometer, honestly, honestly, it's just happiness. Like it just, I, I want to (laughs) be, I want to be happy guys. Um, (laughs) you know, and that's, um, that's really what I'm, what I'm aiming for. And happiness looks different for everyone. Sometimes the dollar amounts, sometimes, you know, it's, 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 it can be a bunch of different things, but, um, for me, just working, staying busy and just adapting and doing cool things like that's just, that's a shallow answer, but that's, yeah. that's, no, I, that's, that's <laughs> I want to do cool so. things guys. Do you have a dream that you want to accomplish before or there's, yeah, I mean the, um, yeah, just, just have a real estate empire, just, you know, just, have an just, empire. just build, right. building it out right now. Um, yeah, that's, that's, that's what it is. Just have just right. a very sizable real estate portfolio that, um, you know, that, that I can pass down to, to uh, the, the, to the, the Kearns family lineage. Yeah. <laughs> that's the dream, right? Yeah. So now you're an avid reader. You mentioned that right away. Um, yeah. and it, it obviously comes off cause you're very well educated, what are some books that changed your life or that you would recommend? Um, I guess that's two different questions. You know, what are some books that changed yeah. your life? And two, what would you recommend uh, someone who's just starting out and wants to be where you are right now to read? That's a, that's a great question. Um, great book, quick read, The Go-Giver. Go-Giver. Great book. It's, it's um, classic hero's journey um you know fictional tale of a hero's journey you follow him through um you know through through this you know awakening um similar sort of vibe to the alchemist but but newer age and that book changed a lot of things for me just how i approached business and i mean the 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 principle is in the title it's just all about the power of giving um that that was a really great great read i read that one last year um i'm on a huge stoicism, I, I want to say kick, but it's, it's more than a kick. Um, I'm a huge Ryan holiday fan. I've read all his books many, many times. Um, there's, there's a lot of misconceptions about stoicism and being stoic, but it's essentially offers some guiding principles for life that really ring true at this day and age. It's pretty wild. It's, you know, all based on these very, um, crude writings from these, you know, Stoics, you know, 2000 years ago. And it's, it's wild how the issues that they were going through parallel what we're going through now. Um, so, you know, Ryan holiday, look him up. Um, and you know, all, all of his books are, are incredible. Um, stillness is the key is my favorite Ryan holiday book. And again, the, the, the principle is, is the, the title, the power of stillness. Um, one of, my favorite, probably my favorite read of this year. Um, the book called the fish that ate the whale. Um, and it's about, um, a gentleman named Samuel Zamuri. And he was this Irish immigrant that migrated to the U S lived in new Orleans, actually not too far from, from where you're from Austin. And, um, in the early 1900s and had nothing and built a, banana empire became the largest banana merchant in the world and ended up buying out United fruit, which was the largest fruit company at that time. 
And obviously that seems kind of like a strange suggestion. You know, we're talking about real estate, <laughs> but, um, and as I was reading it, I was like, am I crazy? Why am I reading a book about bananas? <laughs> um, but, but what's interesting about how it parallels to the real estate space is, um, Sam's Murray was a master of leverage and to work within the banana space, especially in the early 1900s to have any sort of success. These guys had to scale very, very quickly because bananas by, by nature, they're, they're just a very fickle fruit. So if you have a banana farm, one banana farm that you're getting all your bananas from, and there's a freeze or an earthquake, all those bananas die. So the business model to be a banana man, as the book refers to it, is you have to almost have a tentacle-like, like an octopus-like business model where you have tentacles all over the world in different banana farms. And so you have to scale exceptionally fast so you can buy all these different farms just so you can stay afloat. And um, I know for me this past year, um, scaling my real estate business has been just at the front of my mind. And so reading that and, and seeing how Sam Zamuri was able to build his business from, from nothing um, it was just it's very powerful and a lot of really cool techniques and very interesting things he did. And just, he was such a hard worker. I mean, he, he was living on some of these banana farms in Honduras whenever he was, you know, like a multimillionaire, that would be like the equivalent of Tim Cook sleeping in a shack in China outside <laughs> yeah. of the, uh, the Apple factory, you know, it just, um, so just very cool guy. Very cool story. So it's the fish that ate the whale. Sorry. That was a little long winded. No, it's but, good. Um, great book. Okay. Yeah, I almost feel like I don't even need to read it. I, know that. <laughs> I feel like I understand it. So Maybe the highlights. Yeah. So let's go get our banana well, farm. Going. Uh, okay. So that, <laughs> uh, was, was, what would you recommend reading for the, you know, those that are starting out want to be where you are today, you know, financially free, happy as can be. And, you know, a master of, of his time right now. <laughs> Thank you for those kind words. Yeah. <laughs> really know how to make a guest feel, uh, feel wanted. Thank you. I, I do try. Um, yeah. Um, you know what? Like I'm huge into sociology and, and, and psychology. And, um, I know I talk to a lot of people that, that are big, uh, bigger pockets listeners. And once you understand the logistics of, of buying a property, you, you understand the Burr method and, and, and refinancing and, a lot of the conversation pivots to mindset and, and that's, that's, I don't want to say where I'm exclusively at right now, but, but I, I like to know why people think the way, the way they think. And, um, so I'm a huge Malcolm Gladwell fan. Have y'all, I've not heard, I thought mm-hmm. you were going to say Malcolm X. No, I don't know. Oh, Malcolm X. No, <laughs> Malcolm Gladwell. So he, um, he, he wrote outliers, blank tipping point, um, basically the, their books center around different principles and sociology and psychology, and they explain why we do the things that we do. And, um, yeah, so that, those were, those are books that really, um, really helped me grow, especially early on. I remember actually crazy enough, the whole reason Malcolm Gladwell came into my life is whenever I talked my way into getting that first medical sales job, I, uh, they put me at this corporate office and uh, my first week there, I was, um, talking to, um, this, this, um, older gentleman who was in the office and I, I didn't, didn't know who he was. He was very charismatic. And halfway through the week, the sales manager said, Hey, by the way, that's the CEO of the company. You probably shouldn't just have casual conversations with him. I was like, yikes, well, it's too late now. <laughs> um, 
so him and I would, would talk on a regular basis. And I remember one Friday he said, um, he said, Hey, have you, have you read outliers by Malcolm Gladwell? And I felt like so ashamed because I, I didn't know this book. I had never heard of it. And I said, no, I haven't read that book. And he's just like, Oh, you should check it out. So I left work that day and bought every Malcolm Gladwell book and <laughs> read them all over the weekend. And then Monday morning went up to him and said, Hey, I read outliers this weekend. I also read a couple other ones. What, what, what else you got? So, um, yeah, I mean, there, there's a direct correlation between from, from what I've seen for, from people who have success in, in real estate and, and being readers as well. So whenever it comes to reverse engineering, a lot of this stuff, I mean, the people that I know that make a lot of money typically read a lot of books. Right. And um, I was like, well, if I read a lot of books, maybe I can make a lot of money, you know? Right. Yeah. So do you think it's important reading these mindset type books before you start the education phase into real estate or kind of just in the middle or throughout education or? Yeah. I mean, I feel like it's ongoing and, and something I do a lot of, um, is I reread books that I've, that I've read before. And, and what's, what's funny is, um, I heard it was, it was I think it was Bob Dylan or someone was talking about this and he was referring to songs, how you can hear a song whenever you're 20 years old. And then you hear it whenever you're 45 years old and it's a different song. And obviously the song didn't change. You changed, right? Mm-hmm. So that, so the song carries a different meaning now. And same with the books. There's times where I reread or re-listen to a book and I'm like, was I even paying attention the first time? Mm-hmm. Like it's, it's a totally different experience. So if there's something that I, that I like and enjoyed the first time, I'll, I'll normally pick it up again six months later. And, um, and I, I sort of view books and knowledge information as, as a prescription, Right. Where like Austin, if you, if you were deficient in vitamin C, you wouldn't take vitamin C. Right. So if I'm deficient in understanding the, the nuances of refinancing, you know, I can go on YouTube and, and learn about refinancing, read a book about refinancing. So I try to think like, where am I deficient right now? What do I need? And how can I, you know, supplement that in the form of a book or a podcast or whatever it may be? know, conversation with someone who who knows what they're talking about, you know? Yeah. Right. So, you know, kind of feeling out your weaknesses and where you lack right now and then going and researching that thing is is kind of what it seems like you're saying, right? Totally. Totally. Gotcha. Gotcha. Okay. So now switching up subjects a little bit, um, what is one of the biggest mistakes you've made in real estate? I know, you you know, you said that first deal was perfect, but was there anything along (laughs) the way that, you know, you would look back and change? You know, I've been thinking about this because obviously the whole theme of the Mulligans podcast is, you know, the, the, the do over aspect, um, you know, there, you know, and I, I really wish I had like a funny story for you guys right now, like a crazy (laughs) contractor story where I'm like, he ran off with 30 grand, but, um, I don't have anything crazy like this. I've actually, what it is, it's, um, and I've never heard anyone mention it's on a podcast before. And I'm surprised it hasn't come up, but for those of you that are starting off in real estate investing, set up lines of credit before you buy a lot of houses. Because what happens is, um, and this this happens to me now, it's, um, well, I guess I should back up. A line of credit, for those of you who don't know, it's essentially a revolving door of cash. So you go to a bank and say, hey, based on my credit, my income, um, I'd like to set up a line of credit and they essentially give you a checking account with, you know, X amount of money in it. 
and you don't pay interest on that money until you take it out. And you can have you know, $20,000 in there, $50,000 in there, and you only pay interest on whenever you take that, that money out. And so it's, it's, not, it's a nice little rainy day fund to have. And a lot of times, if you have good credit, the interest rates are great. And it, it might, I don't know, it might make more sense to, to pull from a line of credit than some lenders. I, I don't know, but it's, just, it's, it's good to have. So set up lines of credit before you have a lot of mortgages under your name, because what happens is, this is something that I ran into a couple of months ago, where I have great credit, great income, um, and you know, applied for this line of credit through, um, went and met with a bank manager through, through a colleague of mine and uh, goes to the underwriter and they look at me and they're like, I look like a crazy person on paper because I've got all these mortgages. <laughs> They're like, why does this guy have so many properties? I'm like, well, they're, you know, write a letter. They're, they're cash flowing assets. Here are the, here's the, the, the rental income. Like it's, it's not like I own all these and live in them. It's, you know, they're, they're rental properties, <laughs> but still like banks are getting tighter and tighter with their restrictions. So what would have been approved a couple of years ago is now getting denied. So that, that's what I'd say. Whenever you start your journey, set up the lines of credit in the beginning, because they'll be easier to get. Mm. That's good. Don't be like me. I'm the cautionary tale, guys. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I mean, you do seem super cautious, so it makes sense that that is your (laughs) biggest biggest mistake. Is I don't know if you're being sarcastic. (laughs) No, 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 no. I'm being sincere. Uh, Okay, great. So, what is one thing you really want the audience to take away from you know anything you said today? If they've tuned everything out, um, you know, what do you want them to know? So, if there's if there's one takeaway. Do a line of credit before <laughs> <laughs> the line of credit, but also, um, if there's one takeaway, be selfish. Mm. Okay. Be selfish. So if you're short on skills, short on knowledge, short on money, who can you help? Right. So focus on yourself and becoming a person who can add value. And you'll find that being selfish is the most selfless thing that a person can do. So that's, that's my advice. All right. Yeah. So focus on you go, go to events, learn, focus on building yourself up, becoming a higher caliber person, become a person who can have a net worth of a million dollars or $10 million, you know, be around those types of people and hear how they talk and navigate through conversation and, um, you know, elevate. So, and that, that starts with being selfish. There's a lot of negative connotations around the word mm-hmm. selfish, but mm-hmm. I feel like there's, there's a, there's a lot of power to it. And I feel like not enough people are selfish. So what are you, uh, what are you looking for right now? Or how could listeners add value to you? Yeah. So, um, I'm at an interesting crossroads right now where, um, I've gotten some good traction the last few years and, um, again, high quality problem to have, but I, I get more good deals sent to me than I can buy. So I'm starting to look into different private money partners. So if you're interested in partnering on some deals, um, I'd be interested in connecting and, and, and talking terms because right now I'm just, I'm sending these deals off and I'd like to capitalize on them if, if I can. And, um, on top of that, um, I'm always looking to connect with new people. Um, I mean, like just, just, um, attribute to what we we're talking about earlier. I mean, the whole short term rental business model. I mean, that's, that's a very recent discovery and pivot that, that I've made. And it, it was from, it's based around talking to people who are doing that and, and, and doing well. So um, if, if you're within the real estate space and 
and I, I just, I, I love connecting with new people and see what other people are doing and how they're structuring their deals. Um, so it's, it's all a community. I'm a firm believer in a rising tide raises all ships. Mm. Mm-hmm. That's awesome. Okay. So on that note, last question here, Connor, where can people find out more about you and how do you prefer they reach out? Yeah. Um, so the best way to connect with me is through, um, through Instagram. It's uh, my Instagram is at Connor and Connor is spelled C O N O R Connor Patrick Kearns. So at Connor Patrick Kearns. So um, follow me on there and um, you can DM and, and connect. Um, if you don't have Instagram. You can email me. It's uh, my first and last name, Connor Kearns and then 52 at gmail.com. Um, and yeah, for, for questions, comments, concerns, you can, you can send them, send them either Instagram or, uh, or my email. Connor, we really appreciate you being on the show, man. I think you're a rock star and I think you got a really good mindset. So I'm very excited to, uh, to see where you go in the next seven years and what kind of brilliant children you produce by then. Uh, <laughs> awesome. Thanks, Hayden. Thanks, Austin. I appreciate it. Thanks for having me on guys. Thanks, yeah, Connor. No problem. Thank you everyone for listening to the show. We hope you gained something from today's episode and put it into action right away. Please make sure to share, subscribe, and review our podcast, as well as follow us on Instagram and TikTok at mulligans underscore underscore. This helps us to grow and share more great stories. My name is Austin Cole. I'm Hayden Wright. Signing Signing off. off.